The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap, IGN, and critically acclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, L-A-O-F-C-S. Can we do that? Sure. Since, since we belong to the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. Yeah, we, we should. So we should just put that at the end of our names like it's our degree. There you go. I like that. Yeah. Or, or, or William like a, Bibiani, L-A-O-F-C-S. Or, or like editors and, and, and cinematographers usually put their union yeah. letters afterwards. Yeah, we should be, yeah. We should have badges. There, like we, have like, we have like membership cards. We should have badges. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you having a debate about whether... About whether Overlord is a good movie or not? Boom! Good movie! Here's my badge. Here's my badge. Boom! My opinion is more valid. I, I'm calling it now. I can't... I, what I can do is I can settle arguments. That's the law. There you go. That's the rule I get to do. Yeah, if you're, you're called in as, as the arbiter of all film arguments. I, you know what? That's not bad. Uh, but that's not what we're doing here today. Today we're reviewing yet another of our marvelous marvels. It is our marvelous month of marvels. Marvels, marvels, marvels. And we are reviewing nothing but TV. And we're losing our Marvels. We are reviewing nothing but television shows based on Marvel comics that failed. And they have quite a bit, actually. They have quite a few. Uh, And and some of them are more famous than others, and none of them are more notorious than the one that we're getting to this week. This is one of our more requested episodes. From the moment the trailer for this show (laughs) came out, people were saying, when are you going to review this on Cancel Too Soon? And we're just like, it's probably only a matter of time. Look, look, first of all, give the show a chance. We all know what's going to (laughs) happen, but give the show a chance. Well, you have to. This is the whole point of the show, is you give it a chance. These mm. a lot of our shows have been written off by history, either as disasters or as completely forgettable, just drops in a bucket. Mm. And sometimes we find something really, really wonderful. So I was ready to sit down and have a nice old cup of Joe with Marvels in Humans. <laughs> Humanoids, the evil that lies within. From down in the fiery depths of the earth, where nightmares begin. Inhumanoids, inhumanoids, the evil that lies within. That's not my. Marvel, the evil lies within. Yeah. But no. those were cool toys, weren't they? The, the Inhumanoids, the Inhumanoids <laughs> was a was a cartoon series and really cool line of action figures in like the late 80s, early 90s like or whatever. 88ish around there. Um and it's also a one season wonder. We're not it's not a trick. We're not reviewing that right now, although we will get to it. We just couldn't resist because I love how terrible that theme song is. It sounds like someone's talking over it and mm-hmm. like 
losing their mind at the end. Like, <laughs> no, that was part of the actual theme song. I had to watch it like multiple different versions of it just to make sure that wasn't a joke. Like, I yeah. couldn't remember that at all. So bad. Uh, no, that's not what we're doing at all. We are doing Marvel's Inhumanoids. 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 The evil that lies within. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Actually, here's the clip. Hello, brother. You should have known this day was coming. Your reign. It's done. There's going to be some serious trouble. We have to get out of here. We have to get to Earth. We will not let anyone stop us. Honor me as your new king. Never. Marvel's Inhumans. Okay. Uh, Marvel's Inhumans is based off of comic book characters who originated in Fantastic Four. So it's a bit of a bit of a linkage between mm-hmm. this week and last week when we reviewed the thing. Uh, they are because that one had everything to do with the Fantastic Four. The Inhumans hail from the country of Atalan, uh, which in the comics is a hidden society, not unlike Atlantis or Wakanda, and everyone in this city has superpowers because of Terrigen crystals, and they have like a rite of passage mm-hmm. in which everyone from Atalan, every one of the Inhumans, uh, is exposed to these crystals and emerges with... Uh, some sort of leap forward in genetics. They might have superpowers. They might have a completely different appearance. But yeah, I, it's 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 like a, a superpower bar mitzvah. Yeah, basically a, a, a Yamata superhero. Um, yeah, yeah kind of. You, yeah. you, you you go into a phone booth and you breathe in some powdered crystal and you come out and you're a superhero. No, this was actually a pretty big um, uh, a concept when it was originally mm-hmm. introduced. I'm the sorry, idea did, of an did entire you say it was a, a pretty a pretty dumb concept. No, it's, pretty, it's a pretty no, it's a pretty big concept. It's okay, because in Fantastic Four, you know, they they introduce like really broad, crazy cosmic stuff, uh-huh. and the idea of a civilization based on superpowers as a culture. It's actually kind of interesting in a yeah. superhero environment, and some of the better uh, Inhumans comics have dealt with that. In particular, a miniseries which uh, is a big part of the inspiration for this television series. It was written by Paul Jenkins and illustrated by the incredible Jay Lee. Um, and I just, like Jay Lee. Jay Lee's amazing. Paul Jenkins is a really great writer when he's mm-hmm. on his A game. He also wrote uh, Origin, uh, the origin story of, of Wolverine, of Wolverine right. which had never been revealed until that time. Um, and by never been revealed, I mean no one ever came up with it before. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't like they had been hiding it the whole time because no one ever did it. Um, so he's written some great comics. And Inhumans is a great comic. That particular run on Inhumans is this really fascinating story of a very distinctive, unusual, almost medieval War of the Roses type uh, uh, royal family in this superpowered city. And they're fighting... Uh, Sort of a Richard the Third type figure from within who's trying to usurp the throne. Meanwhile, they, a whole they, bunch they, of American and they cast a Richard the Third type. Oh, absolutely yeah. in the show, and then but also in the comic there was this threat from the outside of other countries becoming aware of Adelan and wanting to start a war with it, and it looked like the entire civilization of the Inhumans was about to collapse. The Inhumans television series takes the basic gist of that mm-hmm. and sucks out all the interesting stuff. <laughs> You didn't quite sell me on that being a very interesting story. Well, uh, the, the, Game of Thrones but with superpowers and an on the moon? How is that not cool? <laughs> That's a cool idea. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, I think it'll, 
any two of those things. But you know, when Game you of Thrones those, on the moon, you're fine. Uh, but ga- just take ga- away superpowers. Game of the Throne. Game Game of yeah. Thrones with superpowers. Okay, I'm good. Uh, superpowers on the moon. I'm good. All three of those. That's one toke over line. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> You, you went too far. <laughs> but again, the 60s were like this really broad time mm. for comics, and you could just throw Especially anything at a freak, wall. All that freaky cosmic stuff. Well, that, that was more of the 70s, really, when Marvel started doing a lot of that freaky yeah, the cosmic six, the stuff. The 60s but, was in there, too. It was in there, too. Mm. It started there. Fantastic Four was always part yeah, of that. It's like, I'm going to fly through space to a place where time has no meaning. And there's yeah. like, you know, eyeball planets and squ- people are turning into squares. Uh, in in the last movie, I'm surprised they actually included this in the last uh, Avengers All In uh, Infinity War. Avengers I, I All In. Avengers All <laughs> like In. A step I up movies. Yeah. yeah. Avengers All In. Yeah. Avengers 3D. Uh, where there were a few scenes where people got like turned into cubes and ribbons and stuff, and that's yeah. straight out of the, that sort of cosmic era. Absolutely. So like, I was actually kind of stoked about the idea. They initially planned to do Inhumans as a movie. This was one of the earlier uh, mm-hmm. movies that had been announced from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it kept getting pushed back, and they never really had someone involved with the and production it, and in, fact, in a meaningful we, way. We just passed its original set theatrical release date. Yeah, it was meant to open on the ninth of, uh, of November of twenty eighteen. Oh well, this is actually really good. So timing. this is we, really good timing. We should have had um, this out yesterday. Uh, maybe so. Yeah, we're, Damn it. we're recording on the tenth of November. Would have been a good. Or maybe, good maybe it was the second. We're we're a week. We're really close anyway. We're but, really close. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this. They announced this big slate of movies, and part of it was Avengers, uh, like Infinity War Parts 1 and 2 at the time, and then there was like something called the Serpent Society, but you said that was just a gag? It was a gag. Yeah. The, the idea was they announced the Captain America, the third Captain America movie. Mm. There was Captain America, the first Avenger, there was Captain America, the Winter Soldier, mm. and then they announced it at a big thing that I was at, I was at this big press conference, uh, Captain America, the Serpent Society. And everyone's okay. like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. That, that's kind of cool. Mm. And then they're like, oh, well, no, we're just kidding. That's not big enough. Captain America, Civil War, mm. which and was, it was, turned like, out to be a bigger deal. Uh, people said, oh, that's interesting. No, people, people, the lost their, people lost their goddamn minds oh, is what they did right. for Civil War. So, um, so, yeah, so Inhumans gradually just withered on the vine and <laughs> what happened is and they actually did something really really clever did you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at all? it's still on but not, not a frame I watched the first like season and a half okay. and it was never great there were some good actors in it there were some good bits I liked but didn't they include like really really like F-list Marvel heroes like Deathlock and stuff like that. Deathlock was in okay. there. Uh, they eventually they eventually put Ghost Rider in there, and I didn't see any of those episodes. Oh, right. So uh, they did start putting some bigger characters. But one thing that they did was they had a big subplot about characters who might have superpowers. We don't know why they have superpowers, and it, the implication was, oh, maybe this is. Oh, is this X Men? Are they putting some X Men shit in here? What are they doing here? And it turns out they're actually putting in the Inhumans. They were actually oh, okay. they, were, they were laying the, the seeding Inhumans. They throughout. were laying okay. the foundation for the Inhumans and the Inhumans. In so, the the, so this were, was like a long game that they were playing. Yeah, with the Inhumans. Yeah, so they decided to sort of start building to the Inhumans in Avengers uh, in uh, Agents of Shield, and then they decided, well, it seems like kind of an organic you know move. Mm-hmm. So at the at the end of this big subplot in Agents of Shield. Um, the Terrigen crystals, the Terrigen mists that if you're exposed to them and you have some inhuman blood in you, either you're you know, a pure blood inhuman or your ancestors were inhuman, if you're exposed to those crystals, you 
you're, you get superpowers. Yeah, and, and inhuman is just the name of their species. Yeah, it's not an insult. That's just literally the name of their species. How human are they? They're inhuman. <laughs> well, to paraphrase three amigos. I, I hear inhuman and all I hear is inhumane. And because mm. the characters are kind of dicks throughout the show, that's what I thought they were kind of referring to. We but, need to get into how much of dicks yeah. they are. But just, again, just to lay the groundwork. Um, so uh, in the storyline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe before mm. episode one of Inhumans, a whole bunch of people all throughout the Earth have been exposed to Terrigen Crystals without their knowledge. They get superpowers. And now the actual civilization of the Inhumans, which long ago moved to the moon... They don't explain how, but nope. yeah. Uh, they, I, I, some... they have a teleporting dog. He must have done most of the work. I'm, I'm guessing so. Yeah. Uh, but they live on the other side of the moon. Uh, they are protected from a big shield. There's actually a couple of funny flashbacks where, like, Gorgon, one of their big, like, heads of security, comes in with the flag from when we landed on the moon. It's like, no. look what I found outside! Like, oh, his buddy, played by uh, Ken Leung, says, oh, just put it back. Put it back. Ken, put it Ken, back before they notice. Ken Leung is the star of, like, the, the hot shot of this show. He's he, really great. He steals the whole damn show, yeah. and I kind of wish it was just his show. Uh, but, uh, so they live on the moon, and they are living in a very shitty caste-based society with mm-hmm. a royal family who ostensibly is supposed to be likable, but they're actually just kind of spoiled brats who enforce this caste system where if you're exposed to Terrigen Crystals and you get cool powers, you get to live an awesome life. If not, you work in the mines. Which which is counterintuitive, isn't it? You'd like, think that would be what the, the bad guy does. You, you think if you have no superpowers, then you would get sort of like, like you'd be handicapped. you get a leg up. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, you, like you get the blue, you get the white collar jobs and do all the taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you like, you come out and you're essentially a, a Hulk with hooves or something. You put that guy in the mines because he can do harder work, right? He is a beast of burden. Well, you could also, well, but that of course raises the question: mm-hmm. Should the superpowers should, you get by a quirk of fate determine what job you have? Well, and the answer is kind of no. According to Inhumans, yes, absolutely. I, Th- this is a show that enforces that caste system. And wants us to sympathize with the characters who are seeking to reinstate it while vilifying the people who are trying to dismantle it. Yeah, the bad guys in the show are the guys who are saying, hey, this system is fucked up. It's actually really, really bad for people who aren't born or via their rebirth at puberty Mm. receive superpowers. Everyone else gets screwed over by the system. Maybe the system needs an overhaul. Those are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird decision to make. I noticed this while watching Inhumans, and we're starting on a tangent, but this is kind of important (laughs) to the show. Because of that, I noticed that there's this sort of line running through a lot of these Marvel movies about how the heroes are these sort of Olympian godlike characters, and we're supposed to look up to them, but they're not aspirational, in fact human beings are really kind of marginalized in these in their stories. They're either fighting other superpowered people and the people they're saving are just an abstract. It's like, oh no, we have to stop these planes from crashing, but we never see any actual people in peril. Mm-hmm. And or if the, we do, they're like really minor yeah. side characters. Like Pepper Potts. Yeah. Okay, she gets to run Stark Enterprises, but what's she like when she's not doing that? Who is mm. she? What does she want? She's actually like not a very well-developed character. The actual humans, or the people who don't get godlike powers, even if they are humans, and they're really here. They're off to the side. The only humans we focus on are either tragic figures that die giving the hero's motivation, like uh, the Black Panther's father or Spider-Man's Uncle Ben, 
or they're villains. There's, there, an, there, there's, there's like Captain America: Civil War is a normal guy who is trying to get superpower. Uh, I guess it's superhero movies in general because this is also something that was in the Incredibles movies. Mm. Those without superpowers were trying to essentially infiltrate the circle of well, the gods, let the exceptional do their work and stay out of their way. You, That's th- also one of the themes of Civil War. I think, I, and I think Batman yeah. v Superman does a lot yeah, of that work yeah, yeah. as well. Um, and, and and Man of Steel, and you can argue some so of the I, others. I think, like the gods are doing this thing, humans stay out of it. It's so this I, I really ugly as, subtext. As as you know, a young viewer, maybe the intention is for you to relate to the heroes and sort of see like whatever weirdness you have is something that's special and makes you powerful. But the actual text is saying that if you don't have superpowers, you're not worthy of doing anything interesting. In fact, you're a suspect. And that's actually, first, I'm going to say it's bullshit just A as a theme because that sucks. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, there, there are exceptions to that and they get kind of thrown to the side because we find the superhero stuff more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one exception in the MCU as we know it uh, is, uh, I think, the uh, the other Netflix shows... Okay. Are do a pretty good job of exploring people who aren't actually directly involved okay. uh, with superhero shenanigans. Like the supporting casts are very well fleshed out well, in like that Je- one. And does Jessica Jones have superpowers? She does, but other okay. people she knows don't, and I think All they right. get richer characters because they have more time. Uh, Agents of Shield. A lot of those people don't have superpowers. They are like secret agents, but mm. the implication is that this is what normal people have to do to adapt to the superhero world. Although, I don't think they no, handle no, it that it's well. Like, but it's like a, a TV series that's off to the side yeah. from the main story of the big movies. One of the best Marvel comics ever published was a was a comic called Marvels, which was written by mm. Kurt Busiek and illustrated by Alex Ross, and it's told entirely from the perspective of a normal human reporter for the Daily Bugle, mm. who is just all of a sudden there are all of these Marvels. Yeah. All these 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 incredible miracles of nature and gods among us and What's it like to be human in that world? What's it like to see like something like a god like Galactus land on Earth and try to eat it and have no power over it? And, 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 yeah, and then once you know the the other godlike beings have destroyed this thing or chased it away, do you just go? You know, do you get a sandwich that day? Do you just go back to work the next day? It's I like, would oh, love that, that hot dog cart isn't going to push itself. I think one of the best ideas Marvel could do huh. would be to make marvels into a movie and you just tell the story mm-hmm. of a normal person and how like they just reacted and lived their lives with all the stuff we've already seen in the background like the alien invasion in New York and mm-hmm. and that country in Europe that got floated off into the sky and <laughs> half the people on the planet being dissolved into nothingness like what's that like as a normal person mm-hmm. when you have no control of it that's got to be the weirdest most horrifying like it, think it of all the a, anxi- think of all the anxieties people have mm-hmm. about living in a world of uncertainty with like Donald Trump in office now imagine also, like the Nazis that we're afraid are like in the government are actual Nazis. Like Captain America proved it. <laughs> so like all of a sudden you don't know who to trust anymore. And also like everyone's fighting. And then Captain America, who saved us all from the Nazis twice, mm. is now the bad guy. And he's on the run. It's <laughs> a terrorist. And what? The, I don't know what to believe anymore. What must uh, Twitter yeah, love, be like? Love to see like just the tales of a, a tired old man who's living in New York and has witnessed all of this stuff. And it's like, I, I don't, the world doesn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah. It's like, uh, do you remember that speech from Catch-22 where the soldiers were talking to that old Italian guy? It's no. like, so what do you think? We're, we're here, we Americans, we're here to chase out all the fascists. It's like, whatever. What do you mean, whatever? It's like, well, you know, you, you succeed, great. I'll go back to not being a fascist. If you don't, I'll be a fascist. I'll just, you know, keep on doing my thing. It's like, mm. how can you live that way? How can you not have, like, a central philosophy? It's like, the guy said, look... I'm 109 years old. 
<laughs> I survived by rolling with the punches. Christ. Need to see that story Marvel version. Uh, oh, sorry. One other exception, and it's also a TV show, mm. uh, is Agent Carter. Mm. Uh, played by Haley Atwell. Uh, she was in uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. And after Captain America disappeared, they did a television series that takes place as she is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but in, like, the 1940s. Like, before it was really S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, and also, like, in an era where... So, during World War II, you know, she was actually a really vital part of, like, the anti-Nazi, you know, task force. Mm. And now that all the men are back... Uh, and want their old jobs back. Now she's being asked to do shit in the steno pool. And it's actually like, yeah. it's it's blunt, but it's really good. Like, it's actually a really good sounds show. Like, especially like the good, first season. Sounds like a good drama, just sans Captain America. Yeah, really. like, you just, it has like a couple of fun bits, like, you know, a couple of supervillains or whatever. But really, yeah, it works either way. And like, the second season's good. The first season is great. Mm. So I just want to give a shout out to that. We can't All cover right. it here. But <laughs> Inhumans comes along. And Inhumans comes along after we've already had a whole bunch of celebrated... Netflix shows. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was okay. People like it. Some people don't. The Netflix shows, we got Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones in particular coming out to acclaim and I think justifiably show. I think all the shows are varying degrees of great. There's also Iron Fist and Punisher, right? Uh, Punisher hadn't come out yet. Iron Fist had just come out. And here's the thing with Iron Fist. Iron Fist, unlike those other shows I just talked about, Mm. sucked. (laughs) A lot. It was a really genuinely badly made television show. The The protagonist is arguably miscast. I think he does the best he can, but he can't sell it. He can't sell the action. He can't sell the drama. Um, there's a really... Fr- the, it, kind of the in- origin of the character is kind of in whitewashing because you want to have oh. a kung fu hero, but you have him as the white guy who like went yeah, to this land and uh-huh. came back with all the powers. And now he's the savior of this which, mythical which like nation a, of Kun Lun. And, which was a common story in the 60s and doesn't play so well today. No, it's just an awkward character today. And you could have changed his nationality or his ethnicity and the story would be the same. He could still be a rich guy who was like kind of selfish. A rich American, yeah. yeah, he could still just be a rich American, like you know, Chinese American or whatever. And then just he goes off and he gets powers. But no, they were really committed to it. So that had an uneasy, you know, left an left an, left an unpleasant taste in a lot of people's mouths. Mm. And also, the writing is bad, and the action is bad, and the editing was bad. It's a very poorly constructed season of television. And uh, and who should they hand the reins of Inhumans over to? Scott Buck, <laughs> the guy who did Iron Fist. Now, Scott Buck, I want to give a, a shout out, because uh, he, he's known for these two things, but he's done other stuff. Well, so he's, wanna... he's written a lot on a lot of really high-end TV programs. Yeah, he wrote for Six Feet Under, which some people think is one of the best shows ever. He wrote mm-hmm. for Dexter. A lot of people think the same thing. He wrote the screenplay for Tremors 4. Oh, that's the the Old West one, right? Yeah, that's actually a pretty that good one's movie. Okay, yeah. That's fine. Like, so I'm, I don't, I don't want to. Like, Return to Perfection was the uh, title, or, or, was or the, the? Oh no, that was three. Legend something, whatever. Anyway, it's Tremors Four. The, and legend, that's the, the legend of Curly's Gold. Yeah. So I don't want, I don't want to turn this into like this really ugly thing where we're turning on Scott Buck. I'm not saying everything he's done is terrible. I'm saying these two shows are. Mm. And they're really, really quite bad. So, <laughs> Well, you've seen Iron Fist, right? I have seen I saw the first season. He, he wasn't around for the second season. I heard it got better. But mm. Iron Fist was the show. Iron Fist was so bad that I went from kind of happily absorbing everything Marvel gave me. Mm. Because even the worst stuff is okay. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I'll, I might as well keep up with it. You know, I, I, like, I I'm having a good time. I didn't need Doctor Strange in my life, but I watched yeah, it. Yeah, Thor the Dark right. World was, was, kind of, was yeah. kind of weak sauce. But, like, it was that bad like I can enjoy it so yeah okay like I'm kind of just with Marvel and I'll take whatever they give me and so far they had never completely let me down 
until Iron Fist. And Iron Fist was so bad that I lost interest. <laughs> and I still haven't seen like Luke Cage season two or Jessica Jones season two. And I liked those shows, but Iron Fist is now in there. It's like they <laughs> farted on my soup. Like the rest of the bowl is probably okay, but like I don't, I don't want to have to just trust that I skimmed it off the top. Like I don't, well, I don't trust it anymore. E- even if you were on board with Iron Fist, Inhumans would have pushed you away. It's in- so Inhumans bland. is so. It's such a weird it's, premise, and they made it so generic and bland. It's it's a weird premise, and it feels a lot like like this show was just canceled just last year. It ran uh, mm-hmm. from let me get the dates. Uh, I got it here. Uh, September 29th through November 10th, 2017. It wasn't canceled officially until May. So, yeah, it was just canceled back in May. But this feels exactly like any one of the weird science fiction or fantasy programs from the 90s that we've covered. Mm -hmm. It just has that weird, wild, super cheap-looking fantasy design. Mm -hmm. Like, the exteriors are CGI, but you go to the interiors and it's all the same dumb-looking ABC sets. Concrete slabs everywhere. You have an entire civilization Mm -hmm. of super-powered, super-intelligent, theoretically super-artistic, I don't know why... Like, they could do anything. Mm. And their entire design aesthetic is parking garage. Well, it, it's... Uh, I, I can see them lo- reaching for, like, Louis Icahn, like a famous uh, architect where, who dealt with, like, sort of concretes and stark shapes. Mm. doesn't look anything like Louis Icahn. It looks no. like a bunch of just big blocks everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the costumes are really cheap looking. Mm-hmm. Everything's really cheap looking. And one of the characters, Medusa, the queen of Atalan, mm. has living hair. That's her superpower. It's- Fun image. It's, it's super long, and they use CGI, and it like whips around, and it can when, like grab you and throw you across a room. Yeah, it's, it's like super strong, super living hair. Yeah, weird, but okay. Weird, let's go with weird, it. Weird, but okay. And uh, you can tell they're either trying to up the drama, more likely working with a really low budget, because at the end of the first episode, her head is shaved. Now that's actually in the comic book I was telling you about. It was okay. seen as this very perverse torture. Mm. Because this is so part of her identity. But okay. the difference is that in the comic, that actually led somewhere, mm. believe it or not. Like, it wasn't just they shaved her head and that's it. The well, idea was they shaved her head and it seemed like she has been like she's been depowered. But what they don't realize is she can still control her hair. So her mm. hair starts actually like crawling around and still oh, attacking people. Funny. So it was still kind of cool and they uh, actually did something with it. It's like a killer hair snake around. Yeah, here they didn't do that. They yeah. just cut her hair off and it just basically well, took away here, her powers. So the. the very briefly, the premise of the show is the th- Richard III character, the, young, the younger brother of the king who was once in line for the throne but was passed over because he does not have superpowers. Uh, Maximus, uh-huh. uh, played by Ewan Rayon, who is uh, best known as one of the all-time scariest villains in Game of Thrones. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and he's good. He's good. He's, he does he's, what he does. He's do. doing a Richard III performance, and mm-hmm. I think that's really great. Like he's really kind of snarling and evil throughout the whole he, thing. He's doing his um, he's doing his Game of Thrones character, but scaled way back because he actually isn't allowed to castrate anybody anymore. <laughs> but uh, he usurps the throne in in a coup using it, the military. Pilot episode gets it pilot, right out of the gets way. It right out of the way, and. Uh, while his he and his goons are running around trying to apprehend the royal family, they all escape the moon using a teleporting gigantic bulldog named Lockjaw. Yeah. Uh, which they have. It's just a, a nine-foot bulldog that can teleport anywhere. I take issue with how they handle Lockjaw. Okay. I, I'm just going to say this right now. So we're going to talk about all the characters in a second, but let's talk about uh, yeah. Lockjaw for a second. because So basically, they, they all run to Earth, and, they, and they're, they're all, all separated, well, and, and the first season is them trying to get back together so they can to, reclaim the moon. To, to get my point, to get to my point, Sorry. briefly, um, so... 
Medusa has her head shaved, and they're all scattered about the island of Oahu, but they're not together, so they kind of have to work their way back together. And during the course of the series, they each meet, each one of them meets, like, one human friend. Mm-hmm. Like a hu- And they've always been really suspicious of humans, they're very elitist, so the arc, presumably, with, like, Medusa getting her head, sh- head shaved and being sent to Earth, is that she learns humility. Mm-hmm. She learns to befriend human beings, learns to be a little bit more human rather than inhuman. Same with all of the characters. They each have, like, some sort of human buddy. Uh, the, the young woman gets essentially... A, a boyfriend. Well, a surfer dude. She gets Bill and Ted. Uh, <laughs> she gets a stud. She yeah, gets she, a stud. She gets but, a stud. But, but Karnak, each, the know-it-all, he, yeah. he, like, hits his head and his powers don't work, so he doesn't know it all anymore, and he actually learns how to live a bit more freely and, and by and he, chance and falls and he, and in love he, for the first fa- time. Falls in love with a human woman and works on a pot farm. That's my favorite arc in, in the show. Uh, but by the end of the show... Their humility does not rightly manifest. Like, they haven't learned something that aids them in the final fight. Mm -hmm. They just go back and try to retake the throne again so they can put the caste system and only... Although they express little bits of doubt, they still are just going to go ahead with their mission to reinstate them, put themselves back on the throne and kill Maximus. Well, you have to... I understand the stakes are different at that point. Well, also, it's a serialized narrative. Maybe they didn't want to finish their story by the end of season one. Like, so you want to, like, leave some room. I agree it could have been a lot better handled. Uh Uh-huh. But I will say this. If you if you want it all wrapped up in season one, what do you do in season two? I appreciate them not wanting to get all the way there. I, 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 I don't think they did it well, but I, I understand the... Well, but the, there, was, there was a big setting twist at the end of the first season, so that's you true. just start there. That's fine. Fair enough. Uh, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the cast. Uh, we've got uh, Black Bolt. Black Bolt... He's the king of Atalan. That's, that's not a superhero name. It's actually a nickname. His real name is Blackagar Boltagon. It, oh, you you got to be I, I'm me. looking that up, but I guarantee you that's true. Like I bl- bolted oh, Blackagar Blackagar Boltagon. You are totally right. Yep, that's that's uh, so Black Bolt is short for Blackagar Boltagon. Uh, so, he is the so king of the St- Inhumans. Stanley and Jack Kirby, what exactly were they drinking when they I, were writing these comics? They back were in just the 1960s? they were just chugging turpentine. That's the yeah. only thing they got. <laughs> they're they're just like literally anything Black was fine. No, hang on, it's gotta be Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> the kids will buy that, sure. Type yeah. type type type. We'll put him in a black fetish outfit. No one will say nothing. Uh, black Bolt is the king of the Inhumans. He is also the most powerful of the Inhumans because his power. Means that if he makes a, any noise with his mouth, it was like his voice box, mm. it kills people and breaks shit. Yeah. So he can't talk. And, and, and that, his tragedy is, and we learned this in the pilot, is he went went into the, the booth, came out. We don't see the scene, but presumably he wrecked or killed someone immediately by accident. Because mm-hmm. he just spoke something aloud. You don't know what someone. your power is until yeah. you find it. Yeah. So, uh, and then a little later on, his parents are confronting him about his power. And he says the word, why? And we get to see them get vaporized. And it's in slow-mo. And you don't know the context for the scene yet. And it's yeah. actually really hilarious. <laughs> why? why? Yeah, and they're just turned to ash. But I do like the idea of a king who cannot speak and has to communicate in other ways. He, uh, to an interesting uh, credit, Anson Mount wanted to speak the in sign actor Anson Mount. Yeah, he wanted Black to speak Bolt, in yeah. sign language, but he didn't. He knew that Black Bolt wouldn't know uh, uh, sign language as humans know it, hmm. so he borrowed some of the basic construction 
and built his own sign language with the idea that mm. if, as the series went on and he could develop it more, it could be like Klingon and people could actually speak it. It could be like a, <laughs> a, a, like a he, fake language. Like, he, like he wanted Tolkien to invent did. his own language. That's cool. I mean, good for him. I think that's neat. It's ambitious. I don't know if Anson Mount is a linguist or anything, but okay. That's okay. But, but good for him. Yeah. I appreciate him, him giving it the shot. I don't think he sells Black Bolt's gravitas. Uh-huh. He always looks like he's not 100% sure why he's here. But, like, the idea of Black Bolt, I think, is really kind of mysterious and tragic, and I just don't think the show sells him that way. I don't think I don't think Anson Mount carries with him the world weariness well, he, he, and the wisdom you he, want from a character like that. He looks really, like, kind of dark and mean. Like, he looks... Yeah. He has that sort of good, furrowed brow. Like, they cast him recently as Christopher Pike. I'm like, what? Is, In is, Star Trek Discovery, is, yeah. is Christopher Pike a bully now? Why did you cast him? Anson Mount, I think he's one of those actors who he's... he's he was, like, the lead or one of the leads on that show Hell on Wheels, which I didn't see. Yeah, didn't there see are some either. actors who, they had, like, that one cool role in that one movie or that one TV show show and if you don't see that movie or tv show you don't see what other people see in him yet uh-huh you know like colin farrell was like this like back when he was doing shit like the recruit and phone booth mm. you're like why do we keep giving him all these roles but it's only when you see Tigerland that you realize <laughs> yeah. oh he had he's got a ton of potential okay i totally see it now it's those other things that didn't know what to do with him yeah, so well, maybe anson mount is genius and this I'm, is a bad role for him i'm, I'm still that way about uh, idris elba like i've seen him and do very well in a few things but i didn't really watch the wire so or uh, luther like either or one luther, of those would have yeah. given you like that's idris uh. elba in a nutshell uh his his wife is medusa played by Serenda swan she played zatanna on smallville Oh, it's another superhero role for her. Uh, we've already we've already talked about her. She's got the hair thing. Uh, she speaks for Black Bolt, but she, as we discover in the course of the series, this kind of gets on her nerves because she doesn't want to be his translator. She wants to be his partner and his mm-hmm. co-leader. Uh, so fair enough. Uh, their Black Bolt's brother Maximus. Mm-hmm. We already talked about him a little bit. He usurps the throne when he was subjected to the Terrigen crystals or the Terrigen mists, if you will. Uh, he emerged. Human. Hmm. Not even inhuman. Just human. No powers. Regular human. Now, that's an interesting thing because in the comics, Maximus turned out a little differently. And I think it's an interesting choice to make him just human. In the comics. Was he like distorted and like turned into a monster or something? No, it seemed like he had no powers. Okay. But what he actually discovered and what he kept seeking from everybody is that he had psychic powers and he was manipulating everybody with his mind. And that gave him so so he was like pretending to be completely harmless when in actuality he was manipulating everyone behind. Well, that's a totally different character, though. Totally different character, and he was called and they called him Maximus the Mad. Like that was what he was known Mm. as, and that like those those powers and his own like megalomania, like it caused him to become incredibly unstable and dangerous. Mm. So. Okay, so I think that's a very dramatic change they decided to go with. And what's weird is that psychic powers don't cost extra. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like, that's not a budget thing. You, you could have done that. Just ask James McAvoy about that. Yeah. Uh, just, just rub your temple like James McAvoy. Uh, Medusa has a younger sister named Crystal. She's played by Isabel Cornish, Abby Cornish's sister. Uh, she was. She, she looks a lot like Abby Cornish. Well, they look yeah, really it makes similar, sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, she has like... <sighs> Elemental powers, but like the kind of bullshit elements, like earth, air, water, cold kind of thing. Wouldn't it be funny if it was like all of the elements on the periodic table? And and whenever they discover a new one, you have a new superpower. I would love to see like someone who has like a superpower, but they'll never know they have it because Mm -hmm. it's hyper specific. Like, oh yeah, I can control boron. (laughs) Like just boron. Like the power power of vanadium. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oops, dropping things on the floor. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, Good job. Uh, but uh, she's a teenager. That's her thing. That, that's her. That's her character trait. She, she's, she's, she's a teenager. Yeah, she's she's, she's basically a, a, like a spoiled princess. She's one scandal away from being a Kardashian. Like, but she's she's got a good heart. <laughs> and her dog is a giant. And we're talking giant, like the size of a rhinoceros bulldog named Lockjaw, who has the power to teleport people anywhere, even on planet and Earth. He's got like a little tuning fork growing out of his forehead. Yeah, uh, Lockjaw. This actually bothers me in the oh. comics because. Lockjaw isn't from like some race of dogs that can do that. The idea uh, of Lockjaw is Lockjaw is another inhuman tragedy. That's a person in the comics. Oh, he got turned into a bulldog. Lockjaw got turned into a bulldog who cannot speak but can teleport people around. Okay. His life is rather tragic, actually. Well, but it, does he still have human intelligence? That's or a question. That's a question that they have. Right. I, I think they've jump bounced around on that. All right. Either way, it's tragic. He can understand human language, but he doesn't really seem to interact with them beyond dog level. Yeah, but in the show, they treat him as a giant dog. So you got to have others. Where'd you get that one? Yeah. <laughs> There's no other explanation well, for it. Lockjaw is, unfortunately, it's not like a, a forced perspective bulldog, nor is it like a, a weird cross-eyed bulldog puppet like in uh, Puchinski. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's CGI. just CGI. It's respectable TV CGI. Respectable TV CGI, but one they couldn't have, like, Lockjaw couldn't be in every episode. Mm-hmm. And Lockjaw isn't in every episode. I love the credit sequence because the credit sequence is like, you know, their big orchestral score. Mm-hmm. Not that big, but they have it. And, like, the, the symbolism for, like, you know, Black Bolt's, you know, it's got like, chest. Light, lightning and, bolts on his and chest. And Karnak yeah. has face tattoos. So you see the face tattoos. And then it says Marvels and Humans. And then there's a cute little illustration of the dog. In and the then corner, the dog yeah. disappears in the corner, like, woof. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't think you're taking this seriously, Marvel. How am I supposed to? Uh, rounding out the main cast real fast. Mm-hmm. We got Karnak. We already talked about it. Played by Ken Long from Lost and Saw. Uh, Karnak's superpower is he can basically he his you know what he has? He has Joseph Gordon-Levitt's powers from Premium Rush. (laughs) He can like any decision he's about to make. Of his actions, it's um, yeah. there's like three dimensional there's, there's been another uh, like oh I guess I was thinking of the the that scene at the end of the second Sherlock Holmes movie yeah where uh, Moriarty and Holmes like they both know exactly how their fight would go so they just sort of fight it in their minds they don't have the don't fight have the fight yeah because they yeah. know how it would go like that's the thing Karnak you know someone flirts with him in the first episode and he's just like hey yeah the first day would be great the second day would piss me off that you're not as smart as me and the third day I'd leave you. So he doesn't even get that first day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and I appreciate that they actually think that through mm-hmm. and they talk about the way that this actually affects him and how oh, that- he's 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 confident but he's lonely and when he hits his head uh when he lands on earth mm-hmm. his powers aren't as reliable anymore and he starts losing confidence and he doesn't know what to do. It's like how can I do anything if I don't know what's going to happen? And everyone's <laughs> like the way the rest of us do, just do your best. <laughs> and Ken Long is such a good actor. He's a really he's really great in this. He's very I mean, well He's like the only person in the show who I think is just perfectly cast. If you did this again, just keep Ken Long. Yeah. Because yeah. he's really fucking good. And I would love to have seen just a show about him. <laughs> in fact, Karnak, I think, has had his own comic because he's just an interesting character. Right. He's got, when, it, when, you're, when your superpower changes your point of view, I think that's what makes you a more interesting superhero character. Mm. You know? like Yeah. Anyway. Well, and and he, since he's always so confident and that his arc is about coming to terms with uh, low confidence or losing his confidence, mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. I think so, too. And uh, his best friend, uh, his cousin, Gorgon, 
Uh, played by, I hope I'm going to brutalize this name, and I apologize. Uh, M. A. Equawker. Okay. I apologize if I get that wrong. Uh, he's from Extent. He's uh, in We Are Angels. He's an actor who's played a lot of roles that are described as security guard or commander. Like, he seems to just pop in in a squad somewhere in a lot of different shows. He's good in this. I like him fine. He plays, like, the opposite of Karnak, a guy who just sort He's of... All, bo- all body rather than all mind. Yeah, yeah, just trudges in, trusts on his strength. He's got hooves, and he, when he, you know, pounds on the ground, he can create earthquakes. Fun little power. Um, and, yeah, he's just all chaos, just trusts his gut. And, of course, he and Karnak are really fun together because... They're they, opposites. They're opposites. They're good together. Like I, I would like to see it's just like, them it's as like, a show. It's like Spock and Bones, the series, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the plot of the first episode uh, kicks off when uh, two things happen. One, uh, another member of the royal family, Triton, is on Earth trying to round up all of these inhumans that have been created on Earth, but then he is killed by uh, some sort of mysterious strike squad, uh, and that throws the royal family into disarray. They don't know what's happening. Black Bolt has been doing things on the side without telling anybody, which is easy to do when you can't talk. Um, and a lot of people don't trust him anymore, and now Maximus sees his opportunity to seize control. Maximus also uh, has a unexpected sort of ace up his sleeve, this sort of weird moment where someone goes through Terragenesis and doesn't experience anything at all like no powers like his sister comes out and she's got wings and she's flying around it's really cool and this guy comes out and everyone's like oh he has no powers and he's like oh i just touched this guy and i saw his future and everyone's like yeah no powers at all he's got no powers he just said he saw the future yeah no powers isn't that really weird no, th- why does no one think that might be important i think they were calling his bluff like if, if i if i stepped out i was like oh, okay no eye beams i'm not floating i don't have scales or a tail or uh, <laughs> your future i see your future uh um you're gonna you're gonna be king and uh, <laughs> you're gonna get really rich and wow what about your future i can't wait to tell you about it you better keep me around and not throw me in the mines <laughs> um Maximus takes over the council, kills like. Oh, by the way, the council, like the, the Senate, gen- the genetic council, the or genetic it is. council. Their job is to determine your future based on your genetics. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the, and supposed, to be the be good sa- guys. And we're supposed to be saving them. Yeah, I can't get behind like, it. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a pro eugenics show. <laughs> it's so weird, and it's not like Iron Man, where like the first thirty minutes he's an he's a. Uh, an asshole who sells guns to whomever and doesn't mm. doesn't care if about the well, next consequences and then quickly learns. I, Iron like, Man the, is about his transformation. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's this one, the whole season doesn't yeah. get there. You're right; it is annoying. I get why they did it because it's a show, but I think it's a miscalculation because we don't mm. like them. So, the royal family has to flee to Earth, and they all go to the island of Oahu because that's where Triton was killed, and they all want to see if they can solve the mystery. But mm. uh, Lockjaw, who's teleporting them all there. He gets tired and sloppy. Yeah, I just and they're all on Oahu. Oahu isn't that big an island. Like it's a big island. Like it would take you a couple hours to if, drive if, around if it. If you're on foot and you don't know how to drive Earth cars and you've never been to Earth before, it's it can, no matter where you are. It's but it's not like location. but it's not like they're spread out across the continental United States. Right. Like it makes sense that they'll be able to find each other eventually. Like right. Oahu is one of the bigger Hawaiian islands, not the biggest. I'm, I'm glad they. Uh, kept it bound to one location though. Mm-hmm. It's like if they're all over the world that would seem a little far fetched. And I kinda like that it's in Hawaii. Hawaii is an interesting location. We haven't seen that location in the MCU before. It's attractive. It's right. nice to look at. Um there's something kind of fun about just how lax like the overall mentality of Hawaii of Hawaii is. I haven't mm-hmm. been in a while, but when I was, yeah, it's just it's got its own vibe. 
And it's a vibe we don't see in a lot of Marvel yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, like, they run into a lot of surfer dudes. And they're just like, yeah, we got to, like, fight all these dudes. And, like, oh, that sucks. I'm going to go to the beach. Want to surf, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of fun. So, you know, the first thing we need to do. first, Well, first thing we need shave ice. So, yeah. <laughs> Get some shave ice. All right, and, now, we're, okay, now we're just defending all of our Hawaiian and, listeners. And, and you are not wearing jams, and that's a big mistake. So, we, and in fact, one of the plot points is Black Bolt getting a suit, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. which he steals brazenly. <laughs> he uses his suit, uses his cunning and his superiority to steal stuff. Meanwhile, I, the bad guy is up there trying to liberate people who are enslaved in mines. Now he eventually ends up going way too far. I grant you this, and he ends up revealing how selfish he is. But like yeah. his basic platform is pretty solid. Yeah. Like, I'd vote uh, for him, and then I'd find out I was wrong to do so, but, like, yeah, y- y- you can see why people were initially all about this guy. Uh, but, yeah, Blackwell Music, they're all on Earth, and what's kind of funny, and I kind of wish they'd played with this more, they're the fish all, out of water stuff? They're all, not even just that they're all aliens, they're all rich. They're all rich royalty, and, and they this have is no all, resources anymore. There's yeah. this really funny bit where Medusa sees someone, like, sees someone, like, buying a hot dog with money. Like yeah, cash money. And then she sees someone getting cash money of an ATM, and she goes into the ATM and just speaks aloud. I am Medusa, queen of the Inhumans. I need money. Yeah. <laughs> she expects the machine just to hand it over. Yeah, please. Mm. Boop boop boop. <laughs> yeah, she pushes some buttons. <laughs> That's a funny bit. If the show was all that, the sort of fish out of like Star Trek four ish fish out of water stuff, it would have been a great show. Well, if you think about it, like about once... these these people who have superpowers, mm-hmm. they're royalty. In fact, that's how you start the show. Don't do any of that prologue garbage on the moon. They just show up on Earth, and it's like it, it's like the Terminator. They just sort of sh- like maybe a brief intro, but yeah, they just yeah, show I th- up. I think I think the structure is okay. I think mm. they airballed how they handled it. They made it too much about the society and the intrigue. I think you're right. Introduce us to the characters. Mm. These are characters who we, we like them, and then maybe we realize that they're really insulated, and their uh, philosophies and the culture in which they live in has a lot of growing up to do. And then they'll realize that over the course of the season. But they're not evil. They just don't know any better. Yeah. Whereas here, it seems like they know better, but they just benefit from it and they don't care. So, <laughs> but yeah, the basic structure of this is not a bad idea for a superhero show. There's a, there's a superhuman royal family they get separated and then it becomes like every 1980s show about an alien on earth or something like that where Mm. they're just or the hulk where you're just traveling from town to town from adventure to adventure getting involved in things learning valuable lessons but they're all trying to find each other so you have a whole bunch of those at once and each one takes a slightly different flavor so medusa teams up with a scientist mm. who is tracking the some of the mysterious occurrences on the moon one of the better characters in the show by the way uh louise is her name and mm-hmm. uh, the actress is play oh gosh uh, ellen Waglum. uh she was okay. on californication outlaw and crash the series which has nothing to do with the other crash the series based on that uh, oscar-winning movie mm. it's like a it was a doctor show um but, uh, yeah, they have, like, this kind of fun, kind well, of like, adversarial Thelma and Louise thing, because they have to steal cars, and Louise is, like, really, her name is Louise, she's, uh, like, really not comfortable with any of it, mm. but she goes along because this is an adventure, yeah, and she's fun. That's a fun little she- bit. Um, Karnak ends up uh, landing near basically the pot field from uh, the beach yeah. with Leonardo yeah, yeah. DiCaprio. So there's like a bunch of people growing <laughs> pot and they hate each other. Because everybody remembers Danny Boyle's film The Beach. Yeah. Uh, written, I, saw, I saw that movie twice. I don't know why. Written by Alex Garland, who went on to do better things. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. So it's like he ends up on this this pot plantation mm. and everyone there is like ready to kill each other. And he ends up getting involved in this kind of like, it's kind of absurd and stupid, but it's Karnak. So we like it. 
It's probably you're right. It is the best subplot. And, and yeah, he's he's but yeah, he lands there. He's having this crisis of confidence, and these people just sort of welcome him in. So he doesn't really care that they're growing drugs or what they're doing. He's like, oh, now I can do something. And here's how I help. He has experience farming because when you farm on the moon, you got to make the most of your space. Yeah, because you're living under a dome on the moon with very limited water. Yeah, like you so, got to do what you can. So yeah, he he spruces up the the pot farm, and he ends up falling in love with a young woman named Jen. Yeah, uh, played by uh, Jamie Gray Hyder. Okay, I didn't actually look up her okay. name. She's great. Um, it's it's a good relationship for him. Mm-hmm. I like that whole bit. Eventually, he teams up with everyone else, and then uh, the other two people, uh, the other two Inhumans who are on Earth. There's Gorgon, whose subplot is weird. He kind of just lands in the middle of a group of mercenaries and then becomes their bro. Like right yeah, away, yeah. He well, he lands on a beach in front of some surfers. Like, okay, this guy with giant hooves is going to learn to surf, and that's going to be funny. But it turns out the surfers are yeah, they're like they call, have guns. Characters from Call of Duty. It's like let's just go back to let's just go back to our van and suit up and do gun stuff. That would feel. Like, really I don't know who I don't know who they work for or what they're doing. I feel like we missed an important. But scene. he immediately steps in as like like their general and they trust him immediately. It's yeah. like yeah, well we hear you're looking for your family. Well we'll team up with you. And initially, Why? He has hooves. That's don't, weird. Don't well, listen to that guy. I'm not against him for having hooves. It's just, we don't know him. He could well, be anybody. Well, we don't know him. And if, if a guy said, I have hooves, I want you to help me, I'm think, ah, Satan, not today. No, I wouldn't even say that. I'd be like, oh, interesting. What? I would like to see those feed. But uh, I'm not going to shoot anyone for you yeah. because I don't know you that well. <laughs> That's my thing. I don't yeah. care about the hooves. I just care that I don't know you well enough to kill somebody for you. But they're all gung-ho about it. And then the last one of the royal family, Crystal, she actually doesn't make it off the moon initially, and Maximus uh, is like kidnapping her, and he's using her to legitimize his reign. Yeah. If Crystal like agrees with my policies, if then she, if, she, if she says I'm on the throne because it's it's a good idea for me to be on the throne, then mm-hmm. the people will follow him. There's no a peaceful transition. I thought he was gonna like try to marry her or something because they're well, not related by blood. And the problem is because we don't really see what's going on in Adelan, we don't know how the people are reacting to his reign. It's like yeah. are, are they in favor? Like. They can project themselves onto the the interior of the dome. So essentially, like, they're on like the it, Hunger they, Games. They grow like appear in the sky, and we see like citizens looking up and listening, but we don't see like their reaction. Like yeah. this is weird, or yay, oh, or hooray, we have a new king. Like nobody, we don't know how they feel about this. Yeah, we they're completely outside of all. There's of that. a reason why uh, if you read Hamlet, or if you've seen Hamlet in any production, live the, uh, film, whatever. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are really important. You need normal people to respond <laughs> to what royal people are doing. Yeah, yeah. Because it matters, like, it trickles down to them. That's the why the fate of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is not like this little thing. It's actually, like, kind of the most important thing, if you think about yeah, it. Well, it, it's... Uh, that's why I like Branas so much. We actually mm. see a lot of the citizens yeah. of of Denmark. Yeah, he doesn't of, cut in, out in any of the. Scenes. He doesn't cut out any of the stuff that other films would see as the fat. Yeah, he knows that the fat really matters. He's actually. got a lot of crowd scenes. There's the scene where uh, Hamlet gives that big speech. From this point forward, my thoughts be bloody or be nothing worth. And in that shot, we see the armies, uh, like Fortinbras's armies, coming in behind him. It's like the the outside world is still out there. Yeah, while you're busy obsessing over your your uncle. Yeah, royal family's bullshit so I, is bullshit, and I think Brandon so understood it. I, I think if the show had either depicted all of their garbage as just garbage that they're dealing with and the citizens don't care, that would be one thing, or if it took a point of view on, as to one of the kings. It's like, Maximus takes over and everybody's afraid now. That would be an approach. I feel like this is the problem with this show and Iron Fist, is that they both have, there's interesting stuff in there. 
Mm. There's undeniably interesting stuff in there. And I think if you had had someone who had a bold take or a very distinct thematic through line, something like, here's what our story is about, Uh and everything needs to serve this theme or this idea. And we don't get that from any of them. It feels like they're just kind of going through the paces and that no one even particularly thinks any one part of it is really exciting or cool. Uh, The pilot episode was directed by Roel René. And Roel René... He's done a lot of straight-to-video stuff. He's done a lot of straight-to-video stuff, but here's what I will say about Roel René. Okay. His straight-to-video stuff is better than most straight-to-video stuff. Like, you watch his, like, Death Race sequels, they're way better than the theatrical Death Race with Jason Statham. Not nearly (laughs) as good as the Paul Bartel version, Mm. but they're way better than the... Because, like, I think he understands when you're making schlock, you want to push it. And he wants it to be kind of classy, but he also wants it to be really, really weird. I feel like Roel René, some people are just like, oh, he's just like, when's he going to get his big break? Mm. I think he's good where he is. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's a big fish in a little pond. Uh, okay. And I don't think he's got enough clout or maybe a, a, enough style to elevate the Inhumans and to give, like, from the first episode, give it a stamp. Because mm. that's what a pilot is supposed to do. You want to create the identity of the series, the visual identity, the tone, and yeah, it will evolve over time, but this is the baseline. This is what this is you saying, here's what we're getting at. And oh. everyone's supposed to follow your lead. All mm. the directors are supposed to make it look like Roll Rene made it look. And he didn't make it look great. Inhumans debuted on television, but also in IMAX theaters. Well, the, this was a big, big promotional thing. It was a big, like, and this, like we said, this was supposed to be part of the film series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, the continuity, it was, anyway. It, well, it's still part of the same continuity, but yeah, this was supposed to be, like, the same level as something like Guardians of the Galaxy. These are characters not a lot of people are familiar with. They've mm-hmm. been in the comics for a long time, but they're not that popular. And we're like the Guardians of the Galaxy, or, or many of the Avengers characters. We're just going to sort of pull them up out of the mothballs, and we're going to dust them off and make them as good as possible, and we're going to put them in a big-budget feature film. And this notion that these superheroes originated on the moon, and there's this whole extra race adding this big layer of myth to the, the, the already complicated superhero mythology of the, the Marvel series. Mm-hmm. Uh, just deno- It denotes a huge amount of ambition, and I think they were still kind of married to that. The idea uh, of the show of, is of ambitious. The, yeah, the so idea of I think, showing it on IMAX is ambitious. The actual show itself is not ambitious. It's no. frustratingly cheap. It's really cheap, but I think they were still... I can't still, imagine how they're still trying this to would be on sell, IMAX. They're still trying to sell it as something big and project it as something big, even though they clearly didn't have the budget to make it look all that slick. Mm-hmm. I would love to have seen, like, when you think about, like, some of the effort that went into making something like... I know you're not the biggest fan of Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. but there's stylish visual effects with, like, a personality that's unlike the other visual effects. Like, Scott yeah. Derrickson brought some of his so, own so, stamp to some it. Some of that montage stuff is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. some of the, just the actual like hallucinogenic element of the visual effects is very distinctive and cool. Or you look at like the way uh, Joe Johnston directed Cats America the First Avenger and he wanted to bring this sort of iconic kind of in, ripped from a comic book from the mm. 1940s classy pulp quality okay. to it. And then you have this and this is one of the weirder premises and it doesn't feel lived in it doesn't feel strange the Guardians of the Galaxy movies I I think that one works better than the other but 
they're very odd and they're not afraid to be esoteric and unusual and maybe even off-putting in their overt stylization and their wacky characters. Here, it's so austere and so reserved mm. that you have all of these weird characters and all their weird society and I would love to have seen with someone with real personality well, imagine, could have done with it. Imagine somebody who can make austerity look a little strange. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like... So- he would never have directed a superhero movie, but think of like Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. Like some, somebody who could put these really strange characters in a big white room with no features and have them speak this really stilted dialogue. And you'd probably be laughing a lot because you'd understand what he was doing with his style. But we're not getting that with Inhumans. Yeah. They're, they're trying to find this weird sort of balance between this austere... Uh, comic book weirdness that would feel fine for like a 12 year old reader of comic books Mm -hmm. but isn't going to work in any sort of TV function because you actually have to have real actors now yeah and yeah okay so um all right, so the show. So, so, so they're all they're all bouncing around Oahu looking uh, the, for each other. The subplot we didn't mention is Black Bolt also gets his own sort of like human sidekick. Right. Um, there's a, a doctor named Doctor Declan, who mm-hmm. uh, let me look up that actor. Oh, uh, it's from uh, uh, he was Desmond from Lost. Desmond from Lost. Uh, I'm gonna look up his name. I forget <laughs> the, uh, the, the. But uh, he uh, he's been doing research on humans with emerging superpowers on Earth and. Because they don't have the rights to mutants, there's mm-hmm. they have to have to do the whole sort of terogenesis thing. Um, were uh, Elizabeth Olsen and and the Quicksilver character were they supposed to be Inhumans in in this version of things? Uh, no. no, no, they were created by exposure to one of the Infinity Stones. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a, it was a post credit scene. It wasn't a it wasn't a big Henry like Ian Cusick is the name Harry of Doctor Declan. Cusick. Uh, uh, that's a actor, good yeah, actor, uh, I like him. But yeah, he. Uh, Somehow uh, gets a hold of Black Black Bolt is thrown into prison, uh-huh. and because he like okay, I love this because what happens is Black Bolt he he takes a suit he wants to like look normal but he doesn't know how to pay for it so he just walks out with the suit. People try to arrest him. Black Bolt doesn't use his voice, but he is like he grunts. He well, no, he they, can't they, grunt because that would hurt people too. But like he he has to like fight them off, and he doesn't realize that like he's like breaking the law and doing something really terrible here. But, but yeah, like pu- punching cops in the face. So he gets thrown in jail. And well, no, but the the, the one dis- there's only two times he uses his superpowers, and one time is is in the scene where a cop grabs him from behind, he grunts, and a car blows up. Oh, that's right, I forgot yeah. about that bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's he's thrown in jail, and he ends up meeting up with this doctor, and also with one of the various humans who's been turned into an inhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, um, got fiery melty powers out of his hands. But we find out that Doctor Declan has been working with Maximus, and Maximus has been bankrolling. All of his research and how did Maximus get money? Look, they didn't what? explain it. Like they don't have any sort of notable exchange or currency on the moon. And even if they did, how would you exchange that into Earth currency? Yeah, do they have like diamonds? But it means nothing up there. So he just throws diamonds at people. Yeah. It's like, yeah, bring me the head of <laughs> Alfredo. God, I don't know. Like whatever. Just they need a, it, they it need counts as money. Like uh, like on the beaches of Mool in Valerian, where they're just sort of like picking up these beautiful oysters you just pick them up out of the ocean they need something like that yeah like, they just have a thing it feels like there's all these like kind of key things that the only way the plot makes sense is if you establish how Maximus got to Earth and became powerful and respected and able to hire people mm, so yeah how did we somehow, what, what are we missing yeah, here somehow Maximus has become the, the head honcho and like the CEO of an Earthbound lab where Dr. Declan is doing research on superpowered people 
because as it turns out, and this is in a dumb twist, Maximus is not merely looking to rule Atalan, which is and free the slaves, which he's already doing, mm-hmm. but he also wants to give himself superpowers regardless. He resents that Terragenesis turned him into a human being and he wants to go through it again and the genetic council won't let him. Mm. Because if you go through it again, you they, it could be really say, bad. They say you get you can get addicted to it, it might kill you or something horrible will happen, we don't know. Yeah, there's a reason we don't do that. Yeah. And so he's just like, but I wanna. Um so He's doing all this for very, very selfish reasons, and he starts going a little mad with power and starts not trusting anybody. But the basic gist of it is all of the Inhumans are trying to find each other, then they do, but then Maximus keeps sending other Inhumans to Earth to stop them, including a fun guy called Mortis. I love Mortis. Mortis is fine. Because Mortis is sarcastic, and one of the things a lot of people complain about the Marvel movies is that the characters are a little too quippy. Snarky. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they're always ready with a joke, and that's very much the, the Joss Whedon influence. And I think that's a, another reason why a lot of people liked Black Panther. He's the only one who wasn't quippy. He's actually kind of stern. Yeah, that's the thing. You, quippy and, is fun when it's in contrast to sincerity. Hmm. That's why Han Solo is such a great character in original Star Wars. Because everyone all, else of the is other really characters serious. Quippy, yeah. Everyone else is super serious. I mean, maybe they make a joke, yeah. but like they're not funny characters. So Han so, Solo coming in, not taking this seriously, taking the piss out of everybody, is a relief. Well, And then I feel the same way about Mortis. Yeah. Who, um, now, Mortis has been thrown in prison because his superpower is his face is turned into a laser beam. Yeah. Uh, or or a, a, a volcano. Like, yeah. he wears... He's the man in the Iron Mask, and he takes off his Iron Mask, and essentially he just uh, obliterates anything in front of him. Now, I love when they, like... Because they build him up for a little bit, too. Like, they do the works. Like, uh-huh. Mortis. Like, Mortis is, like, the only inhuman he power... Yeah. He's only His power might be more powerful than Black Bolt. He might be more deadly than Black Bolt. So we're gonna let Mortis out. Everyone's like, we can't let Mortis out. It's like Harry Lime in The Third Man. Everyone's <laughs> like, we can't, we can't let him out. He's the most dangerous person ever. And then they finally do, and a bunch of people try to stop him, but then he finally does. It's super dramatic. And then he's there, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but, like, they open the door, and he's in this cage that's the size of my closet, (laughs) and he's just sort of leaning there, and he's just sort of just like, fuck you want. (laughs) It's great. It's great. And we he go, just we, doesn't want to be there. He's we, pissed off. He hates that he was... And, and he's got this, like, weird sort of robot voice. Okay, we need you, Mortis. (sighs) All right, what's the job? Uh, Really? Okay, that's dumb, but okay. Kill Black Bolt? Are you sure? That seems like kind of a big... All right, whatevs. I I can do that, yeah. You're sure you're cool with this? Because I used to be in there. All right. We're going to go down to Earth. (laughs) Humans are so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) We're in in the forest, and, like, one of our inhumans can control plants. And he's just like, hey, we're trudging through a forest. Why don't you make, like, like, a path? I was like, oh, I could do that. Yes. Yeah, could you do you that? You could. <laughs> it's, he's he's he is reacting to the events of Inhumans the way I am, which is basically like a Monty Python sketch. Get on with it. <laughs> so, I, I loved every scene with Mortis. Mortis is great. I love every scene with Mortis. I love every scene with Karnak. Yeah, Mortis it, it should have been just those two. Yeah, Gorgon plays off of Karnak. Well, I'm fine okay, with Gorgon. Fine. But like, yeah. Okay, so so Gorgon and Karnak arrive on Earth. <laughs> this, yeah. this is your Inhumans movie. Yeah. Skip out all those other characters. Don't care. They <laughs> Don't can care. Be, if you must have them in there, have them be like in the control room, like in Armageddon. They're Billy Bob Thornton. Mortis and Karnak. We have one scene of Maximus on the throne, and and he's a monster, so we know he's evil. Like he has big, big horns now. All of a sudden, just change him. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I like, want to see him with the big horns, but he takes them off because it's like a helmet. Yeah. He's just like, like I'm not actually Satan. This yeah. is all just for chat. Yeah. <laughs> T- takes this thing off his throat. Oh my! I just have a regular voice. 
He's like, get bring me Mortis. No, not Mortis. Mortis, go. What? What do you want? Mortis? What do you want? What is it? <laughs> I need you to go to Earth. <laughs> Fine. And, and kill those two guys, the Inhumans, the escaped royals. Like, oh, all right. How, how much can I wreck? Uh, 60%. <laughs> okay, go for it. So you're basically talking about, like... Lilo and Stitch, but with the Inhumans. That it's the same story. It's not. It's not dissimilar. <laughs> Lilo and Stitch is better. Lilo and Stitch is amazing. Lilo I love Lilo Stitch, and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch is a better movie. It's a great fucking movie. I love Lilo and Stitch. Um. So yeah. yeah so they 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 fight off all the Inhumans. They reteam together. Some of them have learned viable lessons. Some of them have not. They come back up to the moon mm. and they stop Maximus. But Maximus has got like a, a dead man switch. Yeah, where it's kind of like lost, where if he doesn't put in the numbers every like so and so like, and so it's long, like if he doesn't give like a, a, a living handprint every thirty minutes, then the shield surrounding Adelan will collapse and everyone will die. How do you sleep? You can't well, live on one hour of sleep at a time. You can't do it. To, to quote Doctor Strangelove, you know, the, if you're going to what, what is it? If you're going to d- deter people from killing you it doesn't work if you keep it a secret why didn't you share it with the world like he doesn't tell anybody that he has yeah. this dead switch so what's the point yeah um there's a there's a there's a bunch of fighting and uh gorgon dies but then karnak tries to throw him in a terragenesis thing anyway to try to save him to, and to it does but gorgon life, yeah. is miserable and you're kind of hazy on why is he mutating is he a different person well, and, now and he's, and he's like really like pissed off and mad and he doesn't seem to like realize who his friends are it's like and it's never really explained what happened to him yeah i, I assume they would have gotten to it in season two but yeah, it's not so. really a thing um and then uh, but the big the big deal is this here's what it boils down to mm. Uh, Maximus was foretold by that one in human that he would be the undisputed king of Adelan. Yeah, the, the, the one who can tell your future. Yeah. Uh, and the Inhumans who were trying to s- bring everything back to normal on Adelan and, and keep their very sequestered society, because Maximus fucked up the shield that protected them from the elements on, on the moon, mm-hmm. they have to emergency teleport every Inhuman to Earth. Yeah. And basically, I actually would have liked to have seen like the second season more than the first season because second season is basically, hey, we've got super powered refugees in America. Yeah. And yeah. boy, is that topical. You could have done something <laughs> with that. I would have loved to have seen that. It's the same basic premise that got set up by the end of Thor Ragnarok that was mm. then completely neutralized by the first scene of Avengers. Well, like a, uh, uh, the Infinity. tragedy just yeah. didn't, it took place off camera. It's like, oh, and all this, they're all just all dead. That's like, it. What? No, fuck you. What? You can't do that. That's, that's worse than Alien 3, killing Newt. Like, you can't do that. That's such shit. Oh, pff, Newt. That pissed me off. Anyway. Puff uh, Newt. So, but Maximus is left on the moon in an underground bunker. Mm. Undisputed king. <laughs> but there's no one there. Kind of, it's it's somewhat poetic. Actually, it's not a it's not, not, not a bad ending for it. Not, not terribly clever, but at least they thought about something. It's yeah, an it's ending, nice. and it feels kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that. Really, I mean, I, I, there no. isn't a lot to tell you about. Like in the middle, there isn't a lot of, like a fun, weird moments. It's just really generic. It's filmed really flatly. Yeah. They didn't use. They didn't make the most of their Hawaiian location. 
No, like, very uh, rarely uh, does apart, it even seem Apart important. from a few scenes where they're like standing on cliffs or out on beaches, yeah, it, it doesn't... I guess the the weed farm out in the middle of the, the forest is a, a thing. You but could have filmed that you could film in fucking Humboldt County. It but it, really... it, it, it looks like they just went into the mountains of California, which are burning right now, uh, <laughs> and just shot there. Like, yeah, like they the skies are pink and, right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks like, like the apocalypse outdoors in Los yeah. Angeles right now. We can barely breathe. Fun! But, uh, yeah, they could have just gone out to Topanga Canyon, filmed that. It it looks really cheap. And it was it Cecil B. DeMille who said, if you want to film anywhere in the world, you don't have to leave California? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's all here. If you know where to look, there's somewhere a, that looks there's, like what you need. There's a desert, there's a forest, there's, there's the ice, bay, there's, there's everything. There's the sea, yeah, it's... You don't, you don't, you can save a lot of money. Uh-uh. <laughs> just, totally fine. Just stay really, really close to Los Angeles. That's why it's here. Like, I don't um, know, like, oh, we're going to film Waterworld. We're going to film it up in the middle of the ocean. Just film it off of Catalina and shoot to that side. <laughs> no one will ever fucking know. Why are you doing this? It's like in Master and Commander. They're supposed to be way out in the middle of the, the Pacific. They're like 10 feet from the dock. It's like, yeah. they're, they're not sailing around the world in that show. You, you need to go through all that trouble. It's not worth it. Um, speaking of not worth it, Inhumans. Um, well, well, you said that, you know, at the end of the, the first season, all of the Inhumans flee the moon. The mm-hmm. entire uh, population of Adeline is now on Earth. And isn't it like, it's not that big. It's like 14,000 people it, or something like that. Was it 1,400 or 14,000? I think it's only 1,400. It's yeah. a really, really low number of it, people. It's like Vatican City in terms yeah. of its like population. It's really a manageable number of people. And so they're all on Earth now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Inhumans have presumably learned a little bit, how, learned to be a little bit more human. Mm-hmm. They know a little bit more about Earth culture, and they've decided to step up and lead their people and not be dicks anymore yeah. uh, in dialogue. We don't see it, but anyway. Yeah. Um, you said that was an interesting premise for season two. I think so. Now, but now, do you say is it canceled too soon? See, that's the question <laughs> because I like the setup, and honestly, this is something that's missing uh-huh. from the Marvel Cinematic Universe: the idea of people dealing with the fact that there are a lot of people with superpowers. Because if you only go off of the movies and like Agents of Shield, there's still only like 50 people with superpowers in the world, right? That's really not that many. Like, it well, really I mean, to think about it. it's it's a lot compared to zero. But um, but like yeah, but like the point I, I is that like, you can go your whole life probably without meeting one. Right. Now you're gonna, gonna have to a, like over a thousand. You're gonna have like around, a principality yeah. right in smack dab in the middle of Iowa or whatever, and they all have superpowers, and that's they're all gonna be like free to like travel around and like spread their country and become celebrities and like write books there's or, all kinds or, of things they could do or they're put in that little town in, in Iowa and they're not allowed to leave and that's yeah. uh, that's another premise you could deal there's with there's a but. lot you could do with that and it pisses me off that we have to be left off on this much better idea for a show <laughs> that we're never gonna see that actually could have like really expanded on the idea of the Marvel Cinematic and Universe could have dealt with a low budget a lot better if they're yeah. just if it's a bunch of super powered people in a little dinky town in Iowa which, which I assume is where they well, go all, or, like, they talk to a government official like I know where we can put them I'm like yeah in the middle it, it there's some, yeah, of the, some states in this country have like a smaller <laughs> population than Los Angeles yeah. County like you could just put them some corner in the middle there you, you put out in, of the way you put them in Utah you get some some grumpy footage of Orrin Hatch I don't want super well, power think people. about it like you know we talk about the idea that Okay, so people are coming to this country, you know, do they, I, I personally don't think it should be necessary, but like, what are, are they bringing with them culture that can expand our horizons or skill sets? And if you think about what the government would think about, okay, so now there's like 1,400 superpower people who owe us their lives. And they're already in the country. Yeah. And they all have superpowers. 
what would they want in return for that? Would they be like, okay, so mandatory uh, community service for all? Like, yeah. mandatory, <laughs> like you know, everyone, who, who wants to join the Marines? They're great. Well, and then, then you're getting into, like, Alien Nation stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie Alien Nation and the TV show about uh, spaceship crash lands and the aliens aboard previously slaves now have to assimilate into American society and they become kind of marginalized citizens. They're mm-hmm. thrown as, like, ghettos, essentially. Very and, similar premise uh, to District 9, which it came out many yeah. years later. Um, I, I love Alien Nation. I, 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 like I haven't movie, revisited it the, since the, it came out. <laughs> I, I saw the movie about a decade ago and it, it's and it holds up. And the TV right. show I remember really liking. Um, yeah, that would be great. Super powered version of that. And yeah. imagine uh, the Inhumans TV series is like Medusa and Black Bolt are picking up trash along the side of a freeway because they have to do that community service. Mm-hmm. And then they go home to like a really crappy apartment. And their drama now is they used to be royals and they have to learn to assimilate not just into human society, but really low, low class human society. So here's what I'm going to say <clears throat> about because uh, because the, honestly, the potential for where to take the show, there's there's a lot. You could do a lot of things with this, and although the first season sucks <laughs> in a lot of ways, it doesn't preclude better seasons. It's not like the foundation is so bad and rotten that nothing else can will yield on the on the land uh-huh. anymore. I mix my metaphors, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> so, for me, it boils down to this: Can we get a different showrunner? Can we get someone who come in and just completely change <laughs> just it? Revamp Soft show, reboot, right? where it's just like you don't need to see the original season. We'll give you, we'll give you the recap. You don't need to see it, mm. and we can just start off with a new look, a new tone. You can even change maybe, the, maybe change the title, like "Inhumans: Colon Life on Earth" or whatever you want to call it. That's a bad know? title, but something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you, you could do that, but like, yeah, because I, I, I dig the premise of the Inhumans. Actually, I actually think it's really fascinating, and mm. I think with a defter hand and someone who is more capable of exploring. The sometimes really uncomfortable themes because the protagonists of the show are not, by conventional standards, by human standards, nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to explore there. I think there's a lot you could do with that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if anyone would ever want to reboot it after this debacle. <laughs> and that's a shame because, yeah. again, I think it's an interesting premise. So a part of me would just like, I almost wish it had done a little bit better mm-hmm. and then gotten a season two, but they had, much like they had for Iron Fist, Gotten a new showrunner. Now, again, I'm not going to just dump on Scott Buck. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe he wanted to do more interesting things and he couldn't because of corporate blah. Right. But I know other people were able to do interesting things. So get one of them. (laughs) Get get someone who's (laughs) able to work within the system and do something Hmm. more interesting than this. Someone who has a particular idea or philosophy or just design aesthetic that's interesting (laughs) to bring out this really bizarre and fascinating world. So Mm. I'm in this really shitty position where I didn't like the series, but I think it might have been canceled too soon. Mm, What do you think? No, there's not enough promise. Uh, They they left us in an interesting spot and our imaginations are inflamed, but I just know that they would do whatever they could to... Make it a. This is maybe a, maybe the wrong phrase, but make it a little too comic booky for its own good. Like they would have to have the super powered fights. They'd have to have the super villains. Mm-hmm. They'd have to have the big complicated conspiracies and plots. It, it would be too large to accommodate the type of story we would crave out of this premise that they just gave us. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust mm-hmm. because you sold me. Okay. Here's what I'm going, to, I'm going to adjust my assessment of the show. Okay. Was it canceled too soon? No. Okay. However, mm-hmm. it does have one of the better cliffhangers we've seen this year of the show. That is totally fair. Because it offers the promise of something truly great, which we probably would have never seen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know in my heart of hearts that 
even though there's a lot of promise right at that last moment, they would not have pursued the promises. Yeah. They, they would have gone with the usual supervillain trying to take over the world stuff. Probably. And maybe they would have become government agents. I, they would have worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents they would have teamed sh- up with the Avengers. It's like... When you're working with a network, like uh, I think there's a, there was a lot of hesitancy in the Marvel shows on the Disney ABC front mm-hmm. uh, to... I think they want it to be kind of like generic enough to appeal to a lot of people as opposed to the Netflix shows, which... A lot of them are R rated. Like you could like mm-hmm. you have the potential to get really dark and messed up and super violent, morally and, yeah, conflicted and uh, conflicted, conflicted. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Um, and I think maybe the ABC environment was holding something like Inhumans back. And if Inhumans had been on Netflix, where you were able to take a few more chances narratively, yeah. maybe they could have done something better. Maybe even with the same cast. Maybe Anson Mount's great and just. Hadn't found the character yet, and didn't have a good director. Well, here's how you handle Black Bolt, and I, I know in in the comics he never. Blackagar Boltagon. Sorry, Senor Boltagon. Boltagon. <laughs> Go on. They call me Mister Boltagon. Oh no! I just killed everybody. Why am I still talking? <laughs> well, in, in in the comics, he never speaks, right? Um, just ex- always except mouth. in like the most important moments, like ever. But yeah, because like, okay. because he will kill. Things. So he never wears like an appliance on his mouth that he lets has him actually. speak. Okay. Oh, oh, not the lets him speak. No, he's never done that. He's okay. worn appliances on his mouth to like protect him from speaking. But I don't think he's ever worn himself okay. to like. I think they could make the character more interesting if they just let him speak. Um, like b- put a thing on it. Like just just didn't say we invented this thing. It mutes your speech enough that you can. He speak. he, he but, does yeah. sign language. He does. Oh, okay, that's, that's fine. fine. Why, why, that's I don't I don't say honestly. When you think about like how common sign language actually is, it's actually one of, we, it's one of the most prevalent languages in the, on the world. We don't see a lot of sign in in mainstream movies or so, TV shows. So I, yeah, he's, okay. not, he's not officially I take, using I take, actual sign language. I, take but I like back. that element yeah. of representation, and I like. I was trying to think what of that a, can do for the character. Think of a way to sort of neuter his powers, but you know that that would also take away the sign language thing. And, and I also think it takes I'll, away I'll like the depth that. of it. I like the idea of a king who is afraid to use his power. Okay. I think that's an interesting idea for a character. All right. I don't think the show did a lot with that, and I've seen a lot of comics that did. Like okay. when you, like if the show intrigued you or the idea intrigues you, avoid the show. Mm. It's really not worth it, even though there's good. Like I love Ken Long. Like even though there's a couple of things I liked, it's really not worth sitting down with it for eight episodes. Mm. Go check out that Paul Jenkins J. Lee comic. Because it's really yeah. gorgeously uh, illustrated, the writing is really sharp, and it gets all the major beats of this, but it feels so much more distinct and dramatic and intense and bizarre, mm. and it really, really works. When you read that, you can see, like, oh, I can totally see why they thought this was a movie. <laughs> this could have been a really cool movie. It probably would have been better as a miniseries. Mm. And if it's a TV series, maybe, but only if you can get really weird with it, and they never did. So, right. Inhumans, uh, yeah, bit of a bit of a huge disappointment, mostly <laughs> for everyone involved. Yeah, I'm what the actors thought. Like they sign on to be part of the you know the Marvel cinematic. Yeah, that they're universe, really excited. And they're really excited because this is like the biggest series ever, and there's TV shows and movies, and like they sign on. Okay, but you you play Black Bolt. Okay. Okay, I can work with this. You know, it's it's uh, like are are they a little upset that their show got pushed off to the side and then failed so bad? Or um, I imagine they're upset that their show failed. Well, of course but, they are. You yeah, know, when, but when they you liked hear, it. Like, when you hear that you're playing this this weird thing that's really not all that popular, and you can tell that the studio doesn't have a lot of faith in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder how you feel about. that. I wonder how. Like, you got to wonder. There's like, got to be a little bit of ambivalence. Well, it's just the sort of thing where and you talk to a lot of actors and even sometimes filmmakers. Um, you know, cinematographers, mm. stuntmen, whatever. Uh, everyone is trying to make everything they do the best movie they can. Yeah. 
based on whatever the expectations are, whatever the plan is, mm. or the hopes and dreams are. Um, but they can all turn out great, and we know that because they don't all turn out great. Right. Um, so sometimes you think you're on a project that's going to be really great. The material seems here. The characters are neat. Look at this great cast. Ken Lung is awesome, mm. and Henry and Cusick's really good, and there's that guy from Game of Thrones. He's really talented and very hot right now. <laughs> this could be a big fucking deal. It's not Hansel. He's so hot right now. Yeah, but this could be a really big fucking deal. It's classic comic book characters. They're really bizarre. There's nothing like it. And then imagine you're like at the premiere and you just see like, oh, they didn't film it good. <laughs> and her costumes look silly. Yeah, and like, yeah. like I thought they looked silly in person, but you never know what they're gonna film. Right. You know, like maybe it'll look really, really great on camera. No, they just don't they didn't come out good. It's like it, and then like there are action sequences that are set to like really depressing covers of pop songs. Oh, she, right. and oh yeah, we they, didn't even talk about the soundtrack. And yeah. they have nothing to do with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's like I see a red door and I wanna paint it black. But like it's like <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the new metal version of that, and there's a uh, uh, David Simon said something uh, about oh, what, how to use a soundtrack what, what, was really what was smart. the name of the band we discovered? Oh, the oh, uh, shit. I totally forgot the name. Oh, of Oh, we have to look up. Okay, so there's a there's <laughs> so you know those like trailers where they have like this really somber cover of a of an upbeat pop song and it sounds mm. really important and melodramatic. Mm. There's one band that does most of those. Yeah, and, and they, <laughs> that's all they do. And they don't do co- like covers of the whole song. They do like 90 second versions of them specifically to cut into movie trailers. Yeah, like look you look that up for a second, yeah. but like I want to talk to you about like so David Simon is the executive producer of The Wire mm. and um uh Generation Kill and he's done a lot of amazing work. And mm. one of the things that a lot of his shows have done incredibly well is found exactly the right music for exactly the right moment and anyone will tell you that's harder than it sounds because mm. it's so easy to overdo it it's so easy to to come up with a song that makes no impression or a song that overwhelms it because it's too popular too well known and mm. David Simon's philosophy on how to use a pop song in a movie or a TV show is very clean and I think although there are exceptions it really really works well his philosophy is this Mm. Either the lyrics have to reflect what's going on on screen, or the music does. But, but not they both. Yeah, yeah, if they both do, it's too obvious. Yeah. If neither does, it makes no sense. But if like if it's if it's just the lyrics, then the unusual music provides an interesting counterpoint. And if it's just the music, then the lyrics provide an interesting counterpoint. Mm. And here in 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 humans. None of them have anything to do with anything, and it just feels like we just grabbed shit from this band. Who are they? Hidden Citizens. Yes. Hidden Citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I tried to do some research, and there's no information on Hidden Citizens. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a secret. It's, well, I mean, they it's, say... It's they out say, there, but no one talks about it. They say it's like this this secret band, and like this hidden cadre of musical artists that are really pushing the envelope in the way. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably just like one corporate studio musician guy I who like hires some of his friends to do some of the vocals. But you've heard their work on recently in trailers for Equalizer 2, Red Sparrow, <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout, Atomic Blonde, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Call of Duty Black Ops, I, I Zombies we, Chronicles. I wish, I wish we could play some. I don't think we can like, uh, legally. But yeah. Bridge of Spies used one of these. <laughs> Shadow Hunters, the Mortal Instruments used one of these. Mm-hmm. Quantico, Teen Wolf, Gotham. The, and they're only known for that. This like, is the, what they do. Th- you go to hidden, they... HiddenCitizens.com and you can like sample their work and everything. Uh, I, I, you can't like buy CDs, but you can download their stuff. And yeah, like if, if you want a really... 
horrendously overwrought Hans Zimmer inspired orchestral version of Another One Bites the Dust, they got you covered. Uh, if in the about section on the Hidden Citizens website, if you go to <laughs> hiddencitizens.com, I love this. Here's what they say. Uh, A shadowed authority specializing in impactful music. Hidden Citizens <laughs> is an underground group of creators that crafts top tier content from outside, outside the, the public, public eye. Their music will take you on a journey. With reflective low points and extreme high points, they paint an unforgettable picture. If the end of everything has a soundtrack, Hidden Citizens will bring it to life. I, I want to meet these people, or this one guy who's clearly doing it, in a, out of a garage somewhere. I want Hidden Citizens t-shirts. I want Hidden Citizens CDs. Mm-hmm. I want it all. I want to know about this band. They're because really it's important. crap. <laughs> I'll say it out loud. Your music is crap, and I don't like that you're... This is why This is why all of the previews sound the same. Mm-hmm. It's because of you, Hidden Citizens, I remember and just now, you. I remember now when we found this out, because they were they did the soundtrack to the trailer for A Deadly Adoption, the Lifetime original movie, yeah, yeah. And, and starring like, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wig, which we, we did on the Cancel Too Soon Monthly and movie. And we kind of recognized that music, and luckily I have a, 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 the, that music scanner oh, app yeah. on my phone. I oh, was yeah. able uh, to scan it. Uh, Shazam. Shazam, yeah. Yeah. I shazammed it, and I was able to track down <laughs> hidden citizens. So fucking weird. So if you if you if you are hidden citizens, mm. uh, please contact me. Yeah, if, if you know, I'm if at you William know. Bibiani, and I want to interview the hell out of you. <laughs> please, please, please. I want to tell we your have, story. We will have a whole special episode devoted just to you. Oh my god, yes, citizens. you're amazing, <laughs> and I I love that you've created this niche for yourself. Good for you. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I always like what you do, but you did it. Write it while you can, because the previews, the the trends are going to change. They always do, but (laughs) you found your niche, and bless you for it. Good job. Uh, So that is Inhumans. Uh, That is it for this episode of the Marvelous Month of Marvels on Cancelled Too Soon. We will be back next week with a failed pilot and... Selected by you. Yeah, so every... Well, selected by you, our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, every month our Patreon subscribers get to pick one episode of Cancelled Too Soon. And this month you had an option of a whole bunch of failed pilots for Marvel television series. Pilots like Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. starring David Hasselhoff. Or Power Pack, the sitcom. Or Solar Man, the failed animated series based on a comic book no one read. (laughs) And what we got is Generation X. A live-action X-Men series that came out in the late 90s about teen X-Men that... Ended up airing as a TV movie. Didn't end up going to series. Uh, kind of an odd sort of uh, uh, what was it anecdote in superhero cinema. Like, people remember when this came out because there wasn't an X Men movie yet. This is the closest we had. This was ninety six around 96, there. Ninety six. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, it, a lot of people watched it. A lot of people thought, "Well, that's not very good, but it's the best we got." Yeah. And. Uh, now we're really going to... It's 96. So now 96, we're really going to yeah. give it a once-over, and we're going to decide if it really should have gone to series uh, and if it was, in fact, canceled too soon. And that is next week on Cancel Too Soon. But we have a bunch of other stuff planned for our Marvelous Month of Marvel, so please stick around. Uh, don't forget, you can. we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash canceled too soon. We have bonus podcasts. We have polls. Um, 
this month are the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, which is mm-hmm. exclusive for our patrons, uh, where we review TV movies and miniseries, you know, ephemera, if you will. We're going to be reviewing the live-action Captain America TV movies from the 1970s. Hooray! There were two of them, and they, I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen them both. They both suck. <laughs> I had to rank. I had to rank once in an article every movie that you ever, pi- you pitched that. That's on you. So. Oh no, no, I was happy to do it. But like, uh, my point is this: I had I ranked every live action feature uh-huh. based on Marvel Comics characters, and then I gradually started putting in animated features. But now I no longer work for that website, so that article is a little incomplete. But my point is, yeah. I got to like seventy. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. And my number, like, my last place was one of those Captain America TV movies. That's behind Fantastic Four. That's behind the other Fantastic Four. That's behind the other Fantastic Four. That's behind the other Fantastic Four. That's behind behind Elektra. That's behind a whole bunch of crap. That's behind Howard the Duck. Mm. This is going to hurt. Bold. (laughs) This is going to hurt. And we're going to do it for you. Over at our Patreon. Because we love you. Yeah, we do love you, actually, quite a lot. Uh, So we got a whole bunch of cool Marvel stuff coming up. Um, Don't forget, you can email us, um, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. We're going to do a whole letters episode, I think, this week or next week? This week or next week, yeah. Um, we, we, We decided that's probably a better way to do it. Just sort of catch up with everyone all at once rather than like try to throw in a couple at the end of the episode. Mm. So keep writing us. We have been getting your letters. Keep writing us. We'll get to as many as we can in a proper letters episode yeah. really, yeah. really, really, really soon. Um, so that's that, I think. Don't forget we're on Twitter at CancelledCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.